You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Running on Advance Party, Sweet Coco in front, Millwood Nike digging in, running on then Advance Party, Millwood Nike the outside move to Sweet Coco from Advance Party. What a beauty, 15 from 15, and she had to do it tough tonight. Millwood Nike three quarters, beat Sweet Coco Advance Party, and then came Forever Me to make up... Yeah, the Purden stable, and that young lady there uh, last night, Chris, uh, very cold drive as Chris Barsby joins me in the studio. How are you this morning, Chris? I'm well, Steve. Good morning to you. Good morning, yeah, everyone. Of course. Yeah. She oh. pulled the earplugs on the bend, but she never panicked at any stage, and she knew what she had underneath her, obviously, uh, Millwood Nike. Yeah, coming to the home turn, you would be excused for thinking, oh, you might be in a little bit of bother if you took the odds about uh, Millwood Nike last night. But Olivia Thornley, the young girl that took the drive last night, one of three winners last night for her. So she had a uh, a big night out at the Met, at Addington. So got the job done and uh, her class uh, shone through in the end. Uh, just the way she was able to knuckle down in the home straight. Ran past a pretty good filly as well. She's Australian owner, runner-up, Sweet Coco. But she just continues to get the job done. 15 straight victories. She'll go to Ashburton now. That's the big flying stakes day coming up. Uh, and then the final of that Neville R series comes up on uh, during Cup Week. And then she's got the Oaks. So not too many more runs before the end of the year. But uh, can she keep this unbeaten run going? It's going to take a good one to beat her. Yeah, I think she's already won at Group 1 level too, Olivia Thornley. And by Captain Treacherous, of course, uh, Millwood Nike. Jared's about to join us. I did see a young fellow driver winner yesterday. Uh, Chris, was it Bathurst um, yesterday? Um, one of the Turnbull family, young Jet. Turnbull. Yeah. He looks like he's knee-high to a grasshopper. Yeah. He, he was driving a heavily back runner. That's why I was watching it very closely. And he was back in the field in the running line and they all went around and he just sat there and I thought, oh, what's he doing on this? <laughs> this is what I was thinking to myself at the time. Yeah. What's he doing, you know? But he sat there and he made the right moves and he got a passage through and everything fell into place and the horse presented into the clear and went bang over the closing stages. I thought, gee, that's a, a cool head for a very young man, Jet. He, he is very young. He's only 16 years yeah. of age. So he's the son of Nathan and Carly. So he's the great-grandson of Tony Turnbull. So his grandfather is Steve. So he's got, uh, you know, harness racing blood uh, coursing through his veins. And... His start to this year, he only gained his licence earlier this year, Steve. I think it was back in July, I think it was, June or July. The amount of winners he's had between July and now is phenomenal. So he's made an absolute flyer to his career. He loves it, wouldn't want to do it any other way. Uh, he's just recently gone to North America, took in Jug Week over there. He was able to catch up with some of his idols, guys like uh, Andy McCarthy, Dexter Dunn and the, the Yanks as well in Yannick Jingra, Tim Tietrick picked up a bit of their gear as well. So uh, he, he loves his harness racing. His father, Nathan, trains Better Be The Best, who's probably one of the best three-year-olds in the country. But uh, it'll be fascinating to follow his career because uh, mm. the, the, the start he's made is just phenomenal. Yeah, Darren Clayton sent me some stats, Chris. Uh, 91 drives, 29 wins. Yeah. Incredible, isn't it? <laughs> that, that, that's a strike rate, that. <laughs> but you want to be good if they called you Jet. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't want to be lethargic, would you, if a name like that walking around, you know? It's like the jockey Jet Stanley. Of course, he's talented as well. So we've got a Jet in harness racing and a Jet in thoroughbred racing. You know any Jets, Jared? Uh, no, I wish I owned one. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. You and me, though. Yeah. Anyway, 
Chris, take it away. Some great racing tonight at Gloucester. Yeah, we've got the Group 1 WA Oaks, and we'll go straight to that feature, Jared. Race number five on the program, and it looks to be a race in three according to the market. So... Soho Seraphine, Victorian train. McStanley prepares this filly. She was able to score last week $2, but she's got to overcome a second row draw. August Moon, 220. Turn the page, 460. Is there any other interest for any of these fillies away from that trio? Have a listen to this. Soho Seraphine opened $1.33. Turn the page was second pick at 550. And August Moon was $8. It's now 220. <laughs> Uh, the favourite Soho Seraphine's out to two dollars and turn the pages into four sixty with that massive drift for the favourite. So yes, August Moon is the one. I don't know whether the eight dollars was a, a rather large error or not, but it's two dollars twenty. It's been that way for twenty four hours now, so might even start favourite. Well, there's every chance, uh, and given the fact that it's Gary Hall Jr. sitting behind that filly, uh, mm. you would think uh, there is going to be a bit of junior tax there. So we'll wait and uh, see with interest that race there. But that's a strong move. Eight dollars into two twenty, and could start favourite by jump time. We've got feature racing at Melton tonight and tomorrow night. So both nights tonight, tomorrow night, all the trotters tonight, Jared. And we'll start with a few of the features there. Race three, two-year-old trotters, classic, clear favourite here. A uh, high step for the uh, All Star operation greg sugars will take the drive at dollar 45 kai valley michael 270 which way are they going here uh there's been two waves here initially kai valley michael opened at 330 got into 270 high step was a dollar 50 touched a dollar 55 but in the last hour or so is into a dollar 45 i think there'll be a bit of a correction uh to the market with the two kai valley michael it'll get out a little bit later in the day um, there's no interest in the other four. Uh, there's a couple of them in the market at the 9 and $12 mark, um, Centurion Dream and all that remains. But money with the fave there, high step, number six. OK, high step it is. Race four, the George Gath. Small field, great race. Queen Elida at $1.55, $3 Mufasa Metro, three fifty. I'm Ready Jet. Where's the money going here? Yeah, she opened at 170, Queen Elida, uh, into 155, as you mentioned. Uh, Mufaso Metro at $3, and I'm Ready Jet at 350. So um, it's a decent move, but it hasn't been another wave after that. That all happened yesterday. So uh, she's the money horse at the moment, number five, Queen Elida. Okay, race six tonight at Melton. Need for Speed Princess final. Clear favourite here, rocking with attitude. The star filly $1.30. Only other filly given a chance here is high energy at four forty. Yeah, dollar forty for or two days, dollar forty very early this morning, and just as you point out now, updates at a dollar thirty rocking with attitude. There's been a bit of interest at a price for number four, she's Ruby she's Ruby Roo, which has been nineteen into eleven. Uh, the others are, are drifters. High energy's held its place at about the four forty, but uh, she's the obvious one there, rocking with attitude. Dollar forty into a dollar thirty. Okay, here's an obvious one in the Need for Speed Prince final. The locomotive, last start feature race winner. He's at a dollar fifteen. Next best what's up party time six dollars, eight fifty for Grumpy. He was uh, a dollar forty-five the locomotive, and I had a look last night, and he was into a dollar twenty-eight. Well, dollar fifteen—that's a decent move again, isn't it? Um, Grumpy has been a drifter five out to eight fifty now. What else have we got here? Uh, what's up? Party time four out to six. So all one-way traffic with what's now nearly an unbackable favourite, the locomotive. The locomotive one forty-five into one fifteen. 
Okay, so the locomotive, all the rage there. So that's tonight, Melton. Tomorrow night, we've got some great racing. Albion Park, Menangle and Melton again. Albion Park, this free-for-all, it's uh, an intriguing race here. Six runners, Aphorism at 21, LL Cool J, 41, Hot and Treacherous, 6.50, Mr McLaren, 10, Tim's a Trooper, $13, and Leap to Fame, $1.12. So plenty hinging on this result here. Jared, does Leap to Fame, Hot and Treacherous, make the trip to Melbourne for next week's Group 1 of Victoria Cup? Leap to Fame, $1.12, any takers? Just through multis, hot and treacherous. We did put him up at seven dollars. There was a sprinkling of interest there to start with into six fifty and hasn't moved since. Uh, subsequently, the rest are, are sort of out. But dollar um, twelve multipliers only. No big single bets on it yet. Okay, Menangle tomorrow night. The free for all is race number five on the program there. And the current favourite, as it stands, is high. My name is Jeff. Now. He's trying to force his way into next week's Victoria Cup, so he needs to win. He's unbeaten uh, since joining the Grimson Stable. He's $1.22. Uh, next best, about time. The Stable mate, $6. Any takers? No, not really. Uh, multipliers only. $1.22, that's what he opened at. My name is Jeff, number 11, and about time opened at 6. Uh, the Stable mates. Uh, Grimson's got another one in there, I see, as well. But... Um, there's a little bit of interest, only a little bit in Pete said so. Eleven dollars to win, more so the place at two seventy, but looks like it's expected to win as well, Chris. Okay, and the feature at uh, Melton tomorrow night is the Smoking Up Sprint, named in honour of that great champion. So, uh, final audition, you could say, for those on the fringe trying to force their way into next week's Victoria Cup field. And the favourite here, he's got no worries about gaining a start next week, is the Miracle Mile champ, Catch a Wave. Hasn't started since the Tab Eureka. He's $1.60, drawn the inside of the second line. Bulletproof boy, he's at $4.40, $6.50, $9 Blitzen. He, he opened at $2 and they launched into that straightaway Catch a Wave. So he's been two into one sixty. Others in the market there, uh, Bulletproof Boy's been 390 out to 440 and Triple Eight 440 out to 650. That's all related to the support for the favour. It's a decent move, $2 into $1.60, Chris. Okay, so he's going to feature in the multi, no doubt. I'm yes. expecting this multi is going to be a good one this weekend. So what have you got? Well, most of it's tonight. Uh, Melton, race six, number three, uh, rocking with attitude, $1.30. Sorry, I missed one. Race four, number five, Queen Alida. Queen Elida. So they're the first two. Then Gloucester Park, race five, number four, August Moon, which, as I said, has been 18 to 2.20. And we will throw Catch a Wave in, uh, which is Melton tomorrow night, race six, number eight, currently $1.60. So three tonight, and we roll it all into Catch a Wave tomorrow night. All right. So that's uh, Queen Alida, race four, number five, rocking with attitude, six by three. They're the two at Melton tonight. In the Oaks tonight, very good move here. Eight dollars into two twenty. August Moon tomorrow night. Smoking up sprint. Catch a wave. That's race six number eight. So that's how we play the tab multi for this weekend. I can't give you one today, Jared. No. No, oh, it's a hard meeting today. Hard meeting. Oh, that's so, a coward's way out. There's got to be something. You've <laughs> got to put your tips in, surely. Well, the tips are in, but uh, there's no confidence with the tips. The quad is impossible for mine, and some of those earlier races they're not easy as well. So. I think we'll just have to keep the powder dry. Tune in tomorrow morning, and I'll give yes. you one tomorrow night. Okay. That'll do us. You, you don't want to release it early? Or? No, we'll just wait for tomorrow. Okay. We'll I'll see tune how we in go. Tomorrow.
All right. Okay. Excellent. There's Jared Daffy from Tab joining us. So you can check out those prices and much more by going to the website tab.com.au. You'll be able to find all of those harness racing prices. So there's a lot to look forward to. Let's focus on this free-for-all tomorrow night at Albion Park. Race number four, plenty hinging on this race as far as whether or not these Queenslanders will make the trip south. Talking about Leap to Fame, who is the clear favourite with Tab for the Victoria Cup and hot and treacherous. Darren Clayton joins us now. Darren, good morning. Yeah, morning, Chris. Looking forward to it. It might only be a six-horse field, but uh, should be a, a hotly contested race, that's for sure. Are you surprised there's that big a gap with them price-wise? A dollar twelve leap to fame, six fifty hot and treacherous. Yeah, I think especially the fact that hot and treacherous draws, um, you know, three gates closer to the fence, and there's every likelihood that he finds the front, and um, you know, really has to make leap to fame work. I guess. We go back to Leap to Fame's last run in the Eureka and it was absolutely enormous. So, um, you know, two of his last three starts, he's been runner-up in, in huge runs, the the Eureka and then the Blacks of Fakeware, of course, where he had that uh, that wheel issue. So, um, you know, he deserves to be favourite, no doubt. But, uh, yeah, the, the fact that he's so short, um, I find find a little bit interesting. I, he still wins for mine, but, yeah, I, I didn't think he'd be that short. OK. I asked you Wednesday. I'll ask you again today. Do you think they make the trip next week to Melbourne? No, I still th I still think they'll stay home. I, I think there's too much on offer in your own backyard coming up to, to really risk, you know, take, taking that trip, but... Um, I don't pay the bills, so I'm not I'm not the one to make the call. If you was my horse, I'd be staying home. Like I said, you got the Beagle Johnny Sprint and the Queensland Cup, reasonable enough money. Um, he's then got the Inter Dominion in his own backyard, so he's got plenty that can keep him ticking over at home without um, you know risking anything by going away. So um, that said, you I'm always a big advocate of. I'd love to see more of the, the top horses contest the top races. So the flip side of that is I'd love to see him in the race because it would really make it a great contest. But, um, yeah, I think he'll be staying home. OK, so as I mentioned, he is the current favourite uh, for the Victoria Cup. If he doesn't make the trip, doesn't it just really open up the race? Yeah, it certainly does. And um, I, I guess for some of those fringe players who are trying to get into the race, it certainly makes their job a little bit easier uh, in terms of getting a start. So, um, you know, I'm not sure. I didn't hear your, your talk with Jack Butler the other day. Is Hot and Treacherous contingent on Leap to Fame going as well on the flight or would he be going regardless if he could get the flight? Well, reading between the lines, I think they're keen to go regardless of whether Leap to Fame's with him or not. Obviously, if he goes, it, it lessens the cost as far as the flights are concerned, but I think they're fairly committed. Yeah, well, um, you know, after a strong showing in, on Saturday night and I'd really like to see him get down to Melton. He's been so good. Um, you know, he was third in the Sunshine Sprint behind Leap to Fame, third in the Blacks of Fake behind Swayze and Leap to Fame and then um, just had no luck in the Lensmith Mile, just went back and, and that was probably the end of him there, just the way the race was run, a 151 point one mile uh, but out of that race he had the fastest closing sectionals and then uh, comes back home and wins a standing start race 
really um, he was really dominant in that race, 20 metre handicap, and was able to get around them and, and run really solid time, not far outside of the track record. So um, for the for the standing start, so um, yeah, I, I'd love to see him in that race because I think that would be his opportunity, uh, especially if he drew well in in a Victoria Cup. That'd be his opportunity to really get a really good gauge of where he's up to. Okay, well that's the free for all. That's race number four tomorrow night. What's your best bet at the creek tomorrow night? Yeah, it comes up in race seven, horse number two might as well. This mare, she is flying, knocking on the door. Um, might just have forgot the secret knock for that door to open. Hopefully she remembers it tomorrow night. Gate two, she can get forward. Good second last week behind Beach Villa. She had gate two on that occasion. Um, prior to that, she'd had a run of bad gates. So back to her own sex, ta tackling mares here, gate two. I think she gets the job done. Race seven, number two, might as well. Okay, so race seven, number two. Uh, was there another one on that meeting tomorrow night that you like? Yeah, I thought um, race eight, number six, Mary Dancer. I think she's another one that's absolutely knocking on the door. She's been runner-up past uh, three in succession now, not beaten far, and, and coming from wide gates. She gets another wide gate again tomorrow night. But the advantage there tomorrow night is I don't think they're as strong uh, uh, mares as she has had to contend with in recent starts. And um, despite that gate, I think she gets every opportunity to get on the board in a qualifying pace. So that's race eight, number six, Merry Dancer. OK, the dashboard, is that up and available as we speak? It is up and about, and uh, it's got all the information there. Uh, driver to follow tomorrow night, Narissa McMullen thought she comes up with a few nice drives there. She's got uh, last time Joe in the first, Burns Bay's going well. She's got Jagara, who's a really solid chance in race three. Calypso, uh, Calypso Sam off the pole in race five, and then Kokora and Mary Dancer, who I just mentioned. So pretty nice book there for Narissa tomorrow night, and... Uh, she should be able to get a couple of winners there, I think. OK. Ten races tomorrow night at Albion Park. We kick off at 5.42. That free-for-all, which features Leap to Fame and Hot and Treacherous, race four at 7.26. Darren, it's a big night tomorrow night at Albion Park because uh, we've got uh, two new members uh, that are going to be inducted uh, or granted life membership of the Albion Park Harness Racing Club. And they're very much deserving uh, new uh, members for Albion Park as far as getting life membership is concerned. We're talking about Dr John Mamino, who's raised all the Jujon horses, so General Jujon, Governor Jujon, there's a stack of Jujon horses. He's had great success and he's been a loyal and, and, and great follower of harness racing for many, many decades. Also, Don Ross, the one and only Don Ross, and race four tomorrow night, that free-for-all, the name, race name says it all. The legend, Don Ross Open. As we know, Darren, uh, the Ross family have been uh, the clerks of the course, the Redcoats at Albion Park for a long, long time. We'll find out in just a moment how long it's been, but I think it was around 1986. My entire time at Albion Park, the Ross family have always been the clerks of the course. So we've got Don Ross Sr., his son Donnie, grandson Donald, uh, granddaughter Steph, and also always there... Dexter McLean. They've been a great team for a long, long period of time, and I've been able to track down Don this morning, and he's going to give us a little bit of his time. Don, good morning, and uh, congratulations. Life membership at the Albion Park Harness Racing Club. It's a fitting honour. Uh, thank you, Chris. It, it is an honour to have it. How long have you guys been the clerks of the course at Albion Park now? 
we've been uh, we started in '86 officially in '86, but I'd been at Albion Park a few more nights before with Ronnie Corvey and also Gordon Bishop. Okay, so how many so Inter Dominion series have you time. covered then? <laughs> I couldn't tell you, Chris. <laughs> I've got great recollection of you coming back to scale in 1993 with Jack Morris. You looked resplendent in your red coat, your, your white pony. It, it was just a, a great scene. Uh, that the, the, the night itself was just amazing. It was a, probably one of the biggest crowds I've ever seen at Albion Park. And uh, he, he was a, a great champion of that series, Jack Morris, no doubt about it. But uh, those scenes of you coming back to scale with him, uh, they'll live in my memory forever. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a great feeling to do it and all that sort of thing, but you've got to think back to Albion Park when it first started off and you go to Albion Park and you couldn't even get a, anywhere to see the track at all. The crowds used to be absolutely massive and we've seen a lot of great horses race at Albion Park over my lifetime. What are some of the great horses that you've, you've seen and you've been on track with? The thing is, with that the one that stands out most is old Black's a fake, and you, and there's no other no other horse in my mind comes to him at all. Okay, but you've seen some other great ones, Village Kid. That would spring to mind. Uh, there's yeah. been a lot of nice horses come to Albion Park, so uh, you've been up close and personal with them. Yeah, too true, too true. No, no, we've had a great life there. Like you know, the time we've spent there. It's been good. We've seen a lot of great horses, as you say, but they're just too many to mention. The other thing, too, that probably most would be um, understanding of now is that you, you, your time is coming to an end as far as providing that service of being the clerks of the course, the guardians of the racetrack. Paramount is safety with the Ross family, making sure that all horses and drivers are, are catered for once they're on the track. So is it the end of the month that uh, your time will uh, end? It's the end of October. The young fellas, they, they're just sort of breaking out into other things to do other things sort of thing. So I just thought 89 is time to quit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mixed emotions, though. <laughs> Not wrong there. Yeah. Like, you've spent so long at Albion Park. You've seen so many changes. So I'm sure it's going to be, as it get, uh, gets closer to that, uh, that final meeting, it, it, will be, it will be, you know, swirling around in your, in your body, the emotions. Uh, too true, too true. But they've got to find a place to go, Chris. That's what they've got to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they've got places set out, but are they going to work? Mm. Don, I bet you've got some stories to tell. What about some incidents over the years, memorable situations that you'll uh, recall fondly when you do retire? Uh, it's just there. Probably I've caught a couple of twos in the one go, and that was Graham Bowyer and Steve Turnbull tipped out on the corner and I had a very good pony at the time and I managed to catch the two. But we've caught two, two or three times at Tweed Heads and those sort of places in the early days. Was there a particular horse that was a bit of a pain every time he'd head to the races that was talented in those days? Uh, no, I'd have to go back. I couldn't say the name. Peter Gregg had a bad horse one time. He couldn't get him away, but we got him away quite successfully, you know what I mean? And then another time, Johnny Livingston had a bad horse, which we had to lean a fair way up, and all the other people complained about it when he started to win a few races, you know what I mean? 
there's different things, different things all the way through, Chris. Yeah. What about uh, the, the the ponies? And, and they've been they've been amazing. Your your ponies. How much training goes into these ponies? Well, we put a fair bit in. We, Chris, I probably would have bought five or six, five or six hundred, I suppose. When you say it, like sort of thing, you've got to get the right horse with the right temperament. He's got to have speed and that sort of thing. And we might have them at home for three or four months and put a lot of time into them, working them around out on the track at home. And the thing is with it, they still don't make it. They don't make the grade, you know what I mean? Mm. So there is a fair bit of time that gets poured into them and it's not just oh, it, because it's grey or white, you, you just put it on the track no. and take it to the track. You've got to put the no, work no. into it. Yep, yep. I had a, I bought a beautiful pony one time of a fellow I knew very well and he was a very, very good pony. And when we got him into the night at Albion Park, the shadows just drove him mad. He couldn't stand the shadows and all that sort of thing. So, you know, you can, you've got to put a lot of time and effort into your horses before you even come there. Okay. The other thing that I wanted to mention, uh, as I said, uh, you're a legend with, within the sport here in Queensland, and it stretches beyond Queensland as well. But... Your crew that uh, you've been working with, and, and you work closely with them, your son Donnie, your grandson Donald, your granddaughter Steph, and, and Dexter McLean. That's a great team. Chris, I'd like to tell you, back 50 years ago, two boys walked into my yard when they were kids. One was Dexter McLean and the other one was Alan Story. And those two boys come along and they just went with me right through the years driving the chariots, driving the chuck wagons, driving anything at all and picking up around the rodeos. And that's where Dexter and Alan and done, we'd done everything around the rodeos. We had about 50 or 60 buck jumpers at the time and we used to do the picking up. And that's where their boys learnt their ability to do things and to think ahead of an accident happening. You know what I mean? Mm. So that, that's just been part of my life and part of their life too. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, Dexter, correct me if I'm wrong, he would be around 76 now? So, 75, something like that, yeah. Yeah. So, he's been there 50 years, and Alan was there for about 25 years with me at all times, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you've got to give them boys as much credit as me. And then along come Donald, he started, yeah, Donnie started doing it. And then also, young Donnie followed on, and Steph wanted to do it. Steph's quite capable. She's a very good rider and everything like that. So, yeah, it's all all the effort for the whole family. Then we've got to thank the wife and then Donnie's wife for washing the whites <laughs> and all that sort of thing. We've got to go right. If you want to go into it, we've got to go right into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they got to be credited to the whites that we wore and everything like that. Yeah. So, Darren, it sounds like it's a real team effort, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong there. And and the other side of it, Donnie, too. Like, of course, you've you've been the clerks for so long, but you've also done the the, the entertainment side of it. Your chuck wagon racing and yeah. all that, the Roman the yeah. Roman uh, chariots. Yeah. What sort of got, does that give you? Is that a sort of a bit of a release? It gives you a bit of enjoyment on oh, the side. It did, yeah, yeah, Chris, sort of thing. Yeah, it was great. You know what I mean? We went away and done it. We got legend of the RNA and that sort of thing what I'd done for the RNA at the time when I was doing the stabling and all that, yeah. And so, you ever, yeah, a bit of bonus here and there sort of thing, yeah. Uh, with the Cobb & Co coach and that sort of thing, do you ever think sometimes 
you would have liked to have been born in an era when you could have driven a Cobb & Co coach on the actual runs? I'm not dead yet, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we're, look, we're lining up to do it next year out there Yulbarra Surat and that sort of thing. And then in 1963, I'd done the longest coach run in the world. You could get a Cobb & Co coach at Fort Douglas and go right down through the centre to Melbourne. So that was 3,000 miles by horse. Johnny Tatham, he was road manager for Cobb & Co. He went over the States and studied it over there everywhere, and that's what we did there. So we've done that Cobb & Co trip in 1963. How many horses? Yeah, so I've had an interesting life and a good life. Okay. What about uh, some of these productions that you've been involved in as well? Uh, the Man oh, from the Snowy the River, the Ben-Hur Arena yeah. Spectacular? We've done that. The, we, we supplied the horses for the, that Man from Snowy River in Sydney show. We supplied the horses down there. But a few of the movies were on the uh, Roar. There's been about four or five movies. That were in. We made the movie The Irishman with a 20-horse team. That's back in about the 70s. And, and then we yoked up, out of Brookfield, we yoked up 42 horses for a record out there. And then we went down to Carrara on the Gold Coast where we yoked up 50 horses in one team sort of thing. So those are just a few things that we played with while we're not doing the trots. Yeah. And what about uh, spending time at these shows like the Ecker, uh, the Sydney Royal Easter show? That, they were a big part of your life uh, many years ago. Yep. We started down in Sydney. We had a good wreck at Lismore show in the early 60s and we went to Sydney and they said if they can put that on every night, they'd pay me double. But anyhow, we got away with no incidents. We've done Sydney probably about 12 times now with different things like chariots, chuck wagon racing, wagon racing, all that sort of thing. Okay. The other one that struck me, and I, I'm keen for you to expand on this, did you guys perform at the, the, the Summer Nats down in Canberra? We we did we we did perform down there one chariot race down there some of that yes we were down there with the noise and the glamour and the smoke and everything like that <laughs> it was a very good time down there so there, there's and the we horse... done that we done the Ben Hur spectacular yeah that we done that down there sort of thing that was another bit of a buzz for us to do yeah. Mm. So it just seems it's a bit odd. You, you, the sum of that is the, the, the car, big uh, festival down that's there. That's the and car thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got the real Charles horsepower. Caboose, that's what the big call was. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. So only a couple more weeks until the end of this month. So, uh, you know, time is starting to draw to an end. So like I said, there's going to be a lot of reflecting between now and the end of the month, and I'm sure you're going to ha uh, have a lot of licensees coming up between now and then and, you know, just... Yeah. Uh, going down memory lane a little bit. Yeah, mate, you're not wrong. The only trouble is you can live too long in memory lane. Yeah, fair <laughs> point, fair point. Are you on deck today? No, no, I'm up in hospital today, mate. I'm still on dialysis. I finish about half past 10. Okay. Half past 11, I should say. All right. Health-wise, uh, would it be about 20 years ago you underwent uh, quadruple bypass? Nineteen uh, two. I've had it uh, 20-odd years. Okay, okay. But you're still going as, 
as well as ever. You're as fit as a yeah, fiddle. Yeah, mate. Good, good as go. Yeah. Good as go. Right. There you go. So when you sit around uh, with the family um, and, and there's no more, you know, clerks of the course uh, work to be done, what are you going to talk about? <laughs> we'll find plenty to talk about, Chris. <laughs> Just in closing, how many horses would you have on your property? Uh, they're about 46 at the moment. Okay. Okay. And the, the grey ponies, are they going to retire with you guys? Uh, they'll be... I think one is going down to Isabel down at Bathurst. Young Stephanie's taken one, another one to do barrel racing. And there's a two other down the paddock. They'll stay there till they die. Okay. Well, as I said, uh, your work over a long period of time is unquestioned. It's been exemplary, not only your work, but with the ponies as well. It's just, uh, it's just spectacular. It really is. So on behalf of the entire industry, Donnie, I'd just like to say thanks because, uh, as I said, my entire time has been spent with you guys as the clerks of the course and uh, you guys know no peers. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it's unbelievable the work that you've done. So really appreciate the time today and enjoy the next couple of weeks before retirement. I will do that, Chris. I will do that for sure. Excellent. There's Donnie Ross Senior joining us. So uh, that's a long time in the sport, Darren, and uh, there'd be a lot of stories to tell, I'm sure. But as he said, it's teamwork. Uh, he's had a great crew, uh, Dexter McLean, Alan Story, his own son, Donnie, his grandson, Donald, and now Stephanie, the granddaughter's on hand as well. And then the wives are playing their roles as well to make sure that they always look the part, and they always do. So it's a, it's a great team uh, environment. Yeah, sure is. And, they, you know, they've... You know, having those ponies ready to go, it's it's not just a case of, you know, just grabbing a horse and going out on the track. Like he mentioned, that, you know, getting the training them up and having them prepared and, you know, you think you've got one all sorted and then something that you don't expect, like the, sh the shadows on the track. So, um, you know, they've, they're an ornament to the industry here in Queensland. They've been absolutely superb and um, it will be a sad day when they when they finish up in a, in a few weeks' time and... Um, I guess if, if any of them have something to remember, it's probably Dexter. He's probably still got the scar from Shaker Maker. Mm. Yeah. Chris, did you say 93, Jack Morris? Yep. All right. I found the replay. And when we close up this morning, I'll go out with that. Yeah. I just yeah. look at some of the footage on YouTube. Crowd was massive. Oh, it was a great night there at Albion Park that night, no question. But that's a really good point you raised, Darren, with, with Dexter McLean. So that's the 2001 Inter-Dominion Series. Shaker Maker was the defending champ. He won it in 2000 down in Melbourne at Mooney Valley. Came to Brisbane that year and probably just got a little too excited and Dexter was just in the wrong spot at the wrong time. And I think it was his knee that, um, you know, copped a, uh, a fair bit of punishment that night from, from Shaker Maker. He had to stand down for the rest of the night. And I'll ask this question. I'll put you on the spot here. Do you know who deputised for Dexter McLean once he went down with an injury caused by Shaker Maker that night? Oh, jeez. No, you've got me Queenslander? There. Yep. Another legendary figure for those, you know, that are in and around the track all the time. He was the on-course uh, vet. Okay. Dr. Jack Groendyke. Mm. He jumped yeah. on the uh, the pony to uh, make sure the work was carried out whilst uh, Dexter was getting uh, stitched up. So um, he took a, a fair chunk out of his leg or knee area that night. So... Uh, We'll chat to, uh, to Dex about that in time to come as well. But um, they, they would have seen a lot. They would have seen a lot in, in, in that sort of, you know, period of time. So 
I'm sure there's things that they see now and they and probably... keep a cool head in, in awful situations, yeah. Chris, sometimes. Yeah. So, Don't panic, you know? Yeah. So I it, think it, th it's an underrated or unheralded sort of job, but uh, they've just been able to do it so well for so long. And I think part of it is you don't, like nine times out of ten, you probably don't even realise they're there. It's that it's that time that you do need them that they step in. That They might go, you know, 10, 15 race meetings where, you know, there's no falls or chasing a horse down. They're just sort of there as the guardians. But when that is fall and they have to step in, it's nearly every time they get it absolutely spot on and I think that's a that's a huge testament to their horse skills and and their ability to do their job mm. yeah no doubt about that uh, naturally he, he is part of the uh, Queensland Harness Racing Hall of Fame uh, he was honored in in 2009 by the Royal National Association he's a legend of the Brisbane Royal show so as I said uh, the reputation knows no boundaries there's there's no risk at all so that uh, that month or the rest of this month is going to go quickly. So, uh, you know, and as I've said, I, I penned an article recently. Uh, there wouldn't be many people that go to Albion Park or Queensland Harness Racing that don't have a story to tell about the, the Ross family. Yeah, and they've and to top it all off, just great people too. Always, always a polite, nice chat too. Um, and yeah, their skills with the horses, um, absolutely superb. Darren, Chris and I had a chat and you sent me those stats, but this Jet Stanley, gee, he's small, but boy, um, he, he's a cool head for a young kid, isn't he? I can't wait Jet to Turnbull. watch his future. Jet Turnbull, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, very... Uh, well, he's got the right breeding. He's um, If breeding's anything to go by, he should be making it uh, right the way through. So um, he's been around, around the horses forever, so I think he was on a pretty long countdown just to actually get his race licence. Yeah. I think he had his actual license cleared um, by the trial drives pretty early on and then it was just marking time to to get through to actually getting out on the track and yeah he's um, a few trebles already and um yeah i wonder what he does way he only looks about 50 oh, kilos he'd be a jockey he's smaller mm. than a jockey i reckon isn't mm. he darren yeah he's, he's tiny, tiny. Yeah, he's, he's, got really a, tiny. he's got to make the horses go a bit quicker hasn't it yeah he's his mullet's probably bigger than he is <laughs> oh he's got a mullet has he <laughs> Has he got a mullet? All the young kids do, don't they, Steve? No. <laughs> was it was it June or July that he kicked off his career? It was only a couple of months ago. Yeah, it was. It's not long. He hasn't had. Uh, he hasn't. He hasn't been around that long. I think. Um, yeah, I think it might have been early July, and he'd already driven at Bathurst, drove winners there, and drove treble at Parks, and um, he's been around quite a few of the tracks already, and. Um, you know, some other trainers prepared to just throw him on straight away. Like he's um, he's just a natural. Mm. Yeah. So we'll follow him with uh, with uh, confidence moving forward because uh, he, he's bred to be good and he's got that name as well. So it's an easy one to remember. Jet Turnbull. So he'll be in action. They're racing tonight, aren't they, Darren? So the the car racing this weekend. So we've got the horse racing tonight across the road. Yeah, so they um, they race there on Wednesday night and then again today, um, or tonight. Yeah, it's only just across the road. Pretty much the, the campground for the for one of the campgrounds is, is right across the road and quite a few campers actually stay at the uh, at the trotting track because they open up the showers and all that there and, and the kitchen and they can come in there and it's just a, a little bit more uh, homely than some of the campsites on top of the mountain. How many times did you go to the car race when you were living down there? Oh, I've lost count, Chris, 
pretty much every year. Um, and then there was a few years too where um, my dad had a catering business and we actually did the catering for one of the race teams. So um, we did that for three or four years, um, going in and providing all their meals, breakfast, lunch and dinner through the whole week. So... Um, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I actually watched this. Uh, was it on the news last night? Dick Johnson and there was some reminiscing about Bathurst and they found a lady that went to some of the early ones and there was Morris Miners and all that sort of yeah. stuff racing. <laughs> yeah, some of the cars. Yeah. Back in the day, I could... Um, yeah, the, the, the drivers and the cars were, were so different. It's pretty standardised now, but um, it's it's huge for the town of Bathurst, yeah. the amount of people that come in and the amount of money that's spent there. Yeah. I said to Wendy, though, when I was watching it, like at home, that was the appeal to a lot of people because you're watching cars in those days, like Dick, Dick had his, his Falcon and Peter Brock with his Commodore, but they looked like cars you would see in the street. Mm. And there wasn't a lot of huge modification back then. Obviously there was, but it wasn't huge or significant now. But that's what... The, to people because they look like the cars that you'd often see driving down the street just done up with a bit of signage and so on and I think that you know it was su such a great spectacle in those days you know the famous rock with Dick yeah. Johnson the rock incident and so on anyway and I think, think the other thing too the actual track that it's a road every other day of the year just a normal road there's yeah. houses on it and mm. yeah. I was going to ask Steve do you think Darren was a Johnson man or a Brock man? Is he a Ford or a Holden man? Well, I was a Holden man, so he's probably a Ford man. No, no. Holden? Holden all the way. Okay. That's good then. You know what they say, you know what they say about Ford? What? It's something on race day. That's what the acronym is. Oh, please. Get the swearometer on. <laughs> 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 Well, on that note, <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Darren. Cheers, Chris.